Welcome to Autism Weekly, the podcast that discusses autism news, current events, and inclusion. Each week, we welcome a guest to the program to share their unique perspective and expertise as it relates to the fascinating world of autism. I am your host, Jeff Skibitsky. I am the founder and president at ABS. I've been in the field of autism and applied behavior analysis as a clinician and advocate for nearly two decades. The holiday season brings families closer together to enjoy quality time, fun, festive events, and often gift exchanges. Having a child with ASD doesn't have to change the spirit of that season. We're excited to discuss how to find the perfect gift or to approach finding a perfect gift for a child with autism. This week, we welcome psychologist, Dr. Natalie Roth. Dr. Natalie Roth is a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in childhood neurodevelopment delays. She is the vice president of clinical psychology services at ABS and oversees the entire diagnostic assessment process. She has years of experience helping children and families through the holiday season. Dr. Roth, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Oh, it's absolutely my, my pleasure. I know that right now, it's probably at the tail end of the purchasing season for the holidays. What I could tell you is that for all of the children that I'm buying for, for my nephews, for my nieces, I'm always trying to find that perfect gift, the one that they're going to sit there and want to engage with, the one that's going to bring the family together and, and that they're proud of. Right. Hearing this from families right now? <laughs> a little bit. And honestly, in my own experience, too, you don't want to be the aunt who um, gives the gift that the nephew opens up and, and kind of looks like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> right? Yep. I, and I totally agree with that. I mean, it's uh, do I send the socks and the sweater? Probably not. I want to find <laughs> that gift. So Absolutely. How do, you, how do you go about approaching this? I mean, obviously, is that you can always call the family. But say you want it to be a surprise for, for the child and you're buying for your, uh, your friend or your nephew who has a child with autism, how, how do you go about approaching figuring out what that child might like for the holidays? Right. Such a good question. So I'm going to start a little technical and then I promise I will be practical and um, Amazon friendly in, in the rest of our discussion. But I think if you're not really familiar with autism, it's really important to know that one of the core deficits for kids with autism spectrum disorders is that um, they have trouble understanding how to socialize and how to communicate with other kids socially. And I think Commonly, we don't necessarily make this connection, but for little kids, that means play. So that means their, their deficit is in how to play. And so it can be challenging to figure out, all right, this kid doesn't like every other three, four, 10-year-old. How do I figure out what to get him that would facilitate that connection with um, his world and with play? I think that's such a challenging process to, to approach looking at because you want the child to be super happy. And like you said, that social engagement is oftentimes extremely hard, but it sounds like the toy could be the bridge. <laughs> that toy could be that thing that opens up the world. Uh, that's such a great question. I love the challenge of having to find a toy that 
builds the bridge between the object and the person. Perfect. And that's super essential. Younger child with autism who may not be able to talk, but really experiences their world through their senses. So what they what lights their face up, what makes them smile, what gets them excited, motivated, might be the things that they see or hear or feel. And what what is exciting about trying to target toys for that particular developmental level is to say, how do I get them to be excited about a toy that has those qualities and then they share that with me i'm either the person who does that with them or provides that for them or who's around them so that when they're experiencing it they're connecting it to that social experience that's also fun natalie you just talked about a lot of these these sensory which is that that feeling that that input that somebody gets from the sound the the audio the visual so when you're looking at a child and say it's a three, four year old who's gravitating towards all those toys that are just bringing that automatic excitement to their life. What, what kind of toys would you be looking at? Like what, what are the things that, that you see out there on the shelf nowadays that families okay. could start to approach? You know, so some some kids really like the the visual movement of I don't know if you've ever seen those toys where you turn them upside down in the water and glitter moves through the water and they can move it back and forth and that's really exciting to them. Um, some kids really like watching things fall down a track. So I don't know if you've seen those toys where there's you know a ball or a marble or something and you make it go down the track and you can watch the visual movement that way um, a lot of kids who really like the you know this these are the kids who might carry around their blanket all the time or like to roll around on the couch or something they might really want something like um, a heavy even weighted blanket or a really fuzzy um i don't know sleeping bag that they can crawl into or something like that um, let's see those that i've got tactile and i've got visual so auditory there's a lot of toys that are auditory and a lot of kids with um asd they like to be able to control their access to the auditory so things where you can push the buttons or, or and turn them on and off um or things where you can surprise other people by turning on the but off and on the buttons that could be really exciting for them i think i think all of those are really great ideas and i'm always looking to say how can i make this more normalized so that the same gift i'm buying for my three-year-old uh friend or a three-year-old nephew or three-year-old child who has autism is something i might even be buying for my three-year-old who doesn't have autism and when you're talking about blankets things like that i think i've seen on the market just recently is the, the taco blankets, the ones that look like tacos, or the pizza blankets. It's, but you could get that same sensory feedback just by wrapping up in it, I'd imagine, can't you? Can you take a normal toy and still utilize it in ways that would make it that perfect gift because you can make it sensory? I think so, absolutely. And some of it's a little give and take where you are trying something out with a child and then recognizing, because, because they are more sensitive to um to that boundary between what's too much and what's too little sensory input so you might you know their parent might have to feel that out a little bit but like i'm thinking of um the taco blanket or the sleeping bags the other really cool thing with that is let's say you've got your asd 
five-year-old sleeping bag with a, a unicorn on it and her cousin got the same thing well then they have something that they can do together mm. that doesn't take a lot of communication um, to find something that they share in common no and and i think finding those commonalities would probably bring about that social piece that's so important before we change gears into some of the other types of toys I would like to pose the same question for the older child and maybe even the older child with more skills is sometimes the sensory is still super important in their lives. What are some of the toys that you might have for uh, a 10 year old, 11 year old who maybe has um, a more elaborate skill set, but still is on the SD spectrum? Right. So I'm going to touch something that I know is it has a lot of um, different aspects to it than just the sensory aspect, but I think that's why a lot of our uh, older ASD kids like video games, because one, they can tr they get a lot of sensory input, but they can control it to a certain degree, the pace, the amount, that type of thing. Um, so you can take that into consideration in terms of your own feeling about whether that's an appropriate toy for a, a child or the parents feeling about that. Um, but I think we all actually like sensory toys, to be honest, Jeff. Um, one, one toy that kids really like in my office is called pin art. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's this frame that has these metal spokes kind of sticking out of it and you can put something against the metal and it makes kind of a, a mold. Um, and, and they feel like it's really tactile. It has an auditory kind of sense to it. And even my older kids really like that. I was going to say, with that toy, I don't know that I'd be getting my work done if it was in my office. <laughs> uh, I probably will have to leave that over for you. <laughs> That's true. We just get mesmerized, right? Um, and I think also like art, different art things can be really sensory in nature. So clay, I know a lot of my older kids um, have gotten into not Play-Doh, but the, the clay. There's books they can make figures out of. Um, drawing is now a, a big thing for adults even, and I think some of my kids can calm down that way because they, they have the movement, sensory movement oriented toward it, but also the color and creativity. I don't, do you have any thoughts about it? I'm, I'm curious about the older kids that you know. You know what, I, I think that there's so much out there nowadays with technology, whether it's uh, music-based or like you said, game-based, that will bring about all of that sensory component that might be sought after for the child, yet it makes it fun interactive. It could be even like a laser tag. It could be, what is that? What's the, the I'm gonna date myself right now, but um, <laughs> I remember, must have been 10 years ago-ish, they came out with Dance Dance Revolution or something. And, um, and I know that right. that was something that a lot of the kids really enjoyed at that point. Um, right. But I, there's gotta be variations to that, I'd imagine. That yeah, yeah. It's fun, yet bring about opportunity to engage. And sometimes even the physical fitness part to it, it, it brings in other ways to kind of really enjoy the activity. You know, it reminds, it reminds me of um, well, what you said reminds me what you could do if you have an older um, friend or relative with ASD is go ahead and look at what, you know, just Google what are the what are kids that age interested in general and then take that subject. It could be Fortnite. It could be Minecraft. It could be all. Um, let me think of a non video game. One. It could be dancing. Right. It could be any of those things. And then look at toys and say, OK which one of these activities or toys also has this sensory component or also has this other component to it? Um, because then they have a bridge again with their peer group. We like the same theme, but I am interested in this toy because I can access it. 
Yeah. And, and, and you actually probably have already hit on that other category of toy that I think we should probably speak about, which is the, the problem solving, this experimentation, just oh. because those sorts of toys bring about curiosity. Those sorts of toys bring about the opportunity to engage with others and, and makes more family oriented opportunities. Do you have suggestions on, on that type of toy? You mentioned video games, but that's, that's one type. But what other, right. what other toys fit that mold? You know, I, I, I think that potentially some of the constructive toys fall into that, especially if you have either if you yourself or you have someone in that child's home who will kind of insert themselves in the play and say, let's take these Legos that you got, but let's build a tower together or let's build a garage together. And some other toys that I'm thinking of, Jeff, that are also just super pleasurable and common for non-ASD kids. Um, they like, sometimes, sometimes kids like puzzles. Um, I've seen the ones where you actually, the pieces are really big and they go all the way across the floor. And that could be novel, like a new, exciting kind of thing. And also I think some of our kids feel like bigger is better, so you could show it off a little bit. Um, I have another patient who really, she's a 12 year old and she loves logic puzzles. So the idea that you have to solve this riddle or, um, you know, the kind of like escape room logic puzzles, she really gets into that. And that's a good social entree for her too. Yeah, I mean, the, the overarching theme, it sounds like, is that a lot of these toys, games, activities are the same ones you'd be buying for neurotypical children. You're just trying to figure out how to be able to find the right one that will incorporate that that piece of the child with autism that is really going to bring them to that toy, engage them in that toy. And it could be the sensory components. It could be the problem solving components. How do you get the input from the child that you're buying for so that they can be a part of this process? Because you want to empower them to be able to help guide you on what's important to them, what's valuable to them. How do you enrich their lives? Right. That's, that's also a really great question because as I was noting at the beginning, one of the core problems with ASD kids is, is social and that includes communication. So they might not even understand that you don't know what they want, right? They, they, they might not understand that, hey, I have to make this explicit to mom and dad if I really want something. A lot of our kids around the holidays are um, programmed to do that already through like something like Santa or they just know, hey, I want what I want and I'm going to tell my mom and dad. <laughs> but I think um, there's, there's a couple ways that occur to me. One is just watch. So again, watch for what they they gravitate to and then what brings the smile to their face. Um, is it, and, and maybe you want to watch for, is it more of something they, that they like to do kind of on their own or is it something that they, they get excited about when they have a partner doing it with them? Another thing to do with, with our ASD kids, even if they're verbally fluent or at least have some language, is to phrase your questions in a way that makes it more likely that they'll, they'll be able to give you meaningful information. So in some cases, open-ended questions are hard for them. What do you want? Why do you want that? That type of thing. But if you could make it a little more either choice specific, um, do you like things that are loud, soft, or in between? or um, Let's see, are you the kind of kid that wants to have a lot of toys on Christmas or just a few toys on Christmas? If you can kind of give them a way to visualize what kind of information you're looking for, they're more likely to give you the information that, that's helpful. 
You know, that what you're describing there, uh, just because everything goes back for me is, you know, real life, real world incidents, yet I'm thinking from a clinical perspective, is what you're describing is what we would call preference assessment, but it's going in and, and really watching, seeing where that gravitation of the child goes to. Which toys are they going back to more frequently? What are the characteristics of those toys? Maybe asking, doing a, a, a kind of a hidden interview to the child to try and figure out what it is that they really want in a way that they're gonna give you that information without it being so direct. But, um, it, and for all of these things, if parents need tips on how to be able to kind of work through that process or how to be able to do it, I'm sure that they could reach out to their clinical team and say, hey, what, what is it that you're doing when you're working with my child to be able to, to gauge their motivation? And how can I do that as much as they could use their parenting instincts of, I know my child, I know what they like, I know what they're doing, and I know what they are gravitating to on a regular basis at my home. So it's a combination, I think. I think you're, I think you're right. And I, I think another thing for maybe parents and relatives and friends to keep in mind is um, you, you might not want to go down the road of doing a toy that's aspirational. So I'll give you an example. Like uh, I have some patients, parents who will say, well, I, I know that they should be playing with their friends or they should be doing imaginative play or they should be doing figure play or role play. So I'm going to buy them costumes or a dollhouse. If they're not there, if that's not within their preference assessment or that's not what brings them joy or gets them excited, then both of you guys are going to feel kind of disappointed or, or let down about it. If you get that excitement, if you get that lit, lit up face, there's always a way to connect it to social experience. Yeah, and so Natalie, I appreciate all the expertise that you provided today. I'm actually going to go back and reevaluate my gift giving with my own children now. Like, did I do it right? But um, now I appreciate the time that you that you gave us because I think that this puts it into a new kind of thought process of how to go through, and we can share this with our our other family members or our friends who might be buying gifts for our children to help them to realize that you know what. It doesn't have to be hard. There yeah. are ways to do it. And it's probably similar to what you'd be doing with your, with your other children. Right. And yep. just a little bit fine-tuned. <laughs> I, so. I, think, I think so. It's the challenge that our amazing ASD parents have, which is, okay, I have to learn to parent a little differently and see things a little bit differently. You know, one more thing, if, if, I, if I can, a lot of our kids have trouble showing emotion in the moment or appreciation in the moment. So if you're a parent and the grandparents gave him something that they was thoughtful and they really took time with it and your child opens it and seems kind of, you know, like they don't care or they're not grateful, that might not mean that they're not grateful. It might mean that they're getting used to it, that they're thinking about something else. And, and the thing to do is look down the line and see what they do with it later and give that feedback to the grandparents. I think, I think that's wonderful feedback, uh, Natalie. And I think that that's something that sometimes we, we don't realize that those around us don't know what we know about our own children. And something that could be not malicious in nature, it could be taken the wrong way, or um, it just might not give the same message. Do you have any other final thoughts for parents just as they're going about approaching the last few days of... Um, purchasing gifts for the holidays and do you have any feedback that you might be able to give to them to make their their life a little bit easier less stressful right now <laughs> you know i'm i'm gonna give 
feedback that I give myself, which is try to keep your expectations in line. And that doesn't mean that you can't expect um, an amazingly meaningful, um, intimate Christmas, but it means that you have to go with the flow. So if you have an idea of the way it's going to be and it doesn't go that way, um, that's part of the game. And, it doesn't, and, and if you can follow your child's lead a little bit, they'll probably get back to the vision that you had um, sooner or later or sooner than they would if you were really, you know, you were butting heads about the way Christmas is supposed to be. Ah, words uh, of wisdom. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> well, thank you once again for joining us. And we hope to have you back again sometime soon just to be able to share all this information that you have on how to make autism work in the real world and how to educate those around us. Please ask often. Buying gifts around the holidays, whether it's for your own child, somebody else's child, um, it's always stressful and trying to find the right gift makes it even harder. Um, what I've learned today is talking with Dr. Natalie Roth is children with autism don't necessarily need a different approach in the way that we're going to buy them their gifts. It just needs to be something that we take time to evaluate and look at, see what they're interested in, see what they're gravitating towards. Look at what is popular amongst their peer group and then look at how our child engages in the environment to find the right toy that allows them to engage with their friends, their families, and to, to be social, yet still have that feedback that they're looking for. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all of the major listening apps including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS. ABS is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting abskids, that's plural, dot com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week.